Welcome to a new episode of Real Talk, Real Women. Today, Melinda Kunst is making us the honor of hanging out with us, talking with us, just sharing her truth. She's a domestic abuse advocate, an author and a speaker, a RFTA coaching, actually it means rising from the ashes. So podcaster of Hope When There Was None podcast. She is a hope dealer. Really listen that, hope dealer. I mean, isn't that good? And a hula hooping mama. So let's have fun. And today, today we talk about give yourself permission. Yes. That's the topic of the day. Give yourself permission. How do you feel about that, Melinda? You know, giving um, oneself permission. Thank you so much for that wonderful, by the way, intro. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, a long time ago, I would have not. Now I feel really grand. But a long time ago, and I'm going back maybe about 15 years, I didn't even know that I was, and we talked in the pre-interview about being worthy. I didn't feel like I was enough. I didn't feel like I was worthy just due to my past. My mm-hmm. past was riddled with a lot of um, mm-hmm. mental and emotional, as well as physical abuse, and worn down as a child, worn down as later as a wife. Mm -hmm. and uh, a woman just I didn't feel like I was worthy to give myself permission to heal or even know what that looked like I had no Mm -hmm. idea what that was I just was going through the motions of life Mm -hmm. see that so can you please just focus through the big lines of your life so that people have the feelings they know you I know you're a domestic abuse advocate we know we talk about real talk with women, like breaking the silence around abuse, like, okay, we just have to talk about what has hurt because it does hurt someone today and that someone needs to hear that conversation. Oh, definitely. Because also we don't, and giving permission, we are so hyper-focused on being that wife, being that daughter, being that that mother, that good worker or entrepreneur, that we don't give ourselves that break, that time to say, okay, I need to have me time and I need to figure out how I need to heal or what I need to do for self-care or self-love, whatever that might look like for you. It's going to look different for everybody, but we need to look outside and, and giving your permission also means to give yourself that gift of time okay, I'm going to devote, as an example, five minutes in the morning to do affirmations, or five minutes to do some journaling, just giving yourself that time to slow down, to explore what you need in order to start that healing, healing toolbox, if you need to start incorporating things into that, is so precious and so very much needed really with not only with women but men too just us as human beings Mm -hmm. we really do need to just have that slow down time and just think of us and it's not selfish it really isn't selfish just to give yourself that time i think that's the selfish stigma it's just a wrong stigma thrown at you when someone needs attention and tries to guilt trip you into giving yourself attention 
instead of themselves. So I think that we should all be fully selfish. Why? First of, all, we have, first of all, we have to change the meaning of this selfish thing. Yes. Because self-care, self-love, self-compassion, self-everything. Yes. This is the basis. When you take care of self, then you can take care of others. Then there is a ripple effect on others. Then everybody feels good. Then everything is fine. Right. But like accusing someone of being selfish, it's like projecting our own lack of self-care to the other saying, you are not taking care of me. You are selfish. Is that right? No, it's not right. But I you know I internalize being selfish for wanting to give myself that time, for wanting to, exactly. to do something that I enjoyed and loved. And it, but it, it's not. And for someone to make you feel guilty about taking that time, yeah, that's you might have to really think about some boundaries or have a conversation with that person. Of course, when I was a mom very early on, I have four kids, that baby, that baby crying, of course, like that, you know. In those moments, okay, I, I can't, I've got to hold the baby. <laughs> you know, I've got to hold the baby. I had to feed the baby. Or even when they're toddlers, mommy, mommy, mommy. You know? <laughs> so I didn't always take that time because I felt like I had to devote my total attention to the kids. Um, I actually am, my fourth child is a later in life child. And that's with my husband, Mr. Awesome. And I've learned, I had him when I was 40, at that particular time, I actually had more patience, at least for me, I had more patience. I've already been through motherhood with three other children. So a lot of the things that new moms, maybe in their teens, 20s, 30s experience, didn't phase me as much. So I didn't hold the baby as much as much as I did when I was younger. You know, I let them cry a little bit. They're okay. I'm, I'm sitting right next to them. I know they're fine. <laughs> you know, they, they've already been changed. They've already been, they've already eaten. They're, you know, they're just vocalizing. Um, so I knew I can go ahead and then take that time. Well, I'm going to journal. You sit right here, little one. You're fine. I can see you. You can see mommy. I just put you down and I'm in a journal or I'm going to listen to some music that really speaks to my spirit or a podcast or enjoy a book for a few minutes while I'm rocking the baby in the little bouncy chair. So that's what it started to look like for me when I was in my 40s and actually starting this healing journey. Right around that time with this little wee one is when I was going through my divorce and separation from my then abuser. And so a lot of things were kind of a little chaotic, a little uh, not so pretty. And I knew I needed to start being more gentle with myself because I wasn't in the past. I wasn't, I didn't even know what that looked like. So going forward, I had to start incorporating things to for just me, things that I loved and I enjoyed. Mm. I absolutely love listening to your story because it's, there is so much grace through the pain. Yes. Yes. And indeed, there is so much stigma around baby crying. Like you have to make it stop. Right. Do you? Sometimes it's good to cry. Mm -hmm. It's good to express emotions. It's good to acknowledge something hurts. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes right. it's just like the teeth growing and it hurts. Right. Or not understanding what's going on with all the digestion. 
<laughs> these are big reasons to cry when you're a tiny baby right right right, right. and you when know, we it... have the step back as you just experienced at 40 years old to have your first baby you have this step back it's like oh you'll be fine yes. don't worry and then the baby is going to pick up on your energy of tranquility tranquility <laughs> tranquility <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true and I can see this in my own daughter I have uh, three kids with my previous husband and they are from 25 okay they're 25 23 and 22 and now I have an 11 year old he's now 11 so I can see within my daughter my older daughter she has two children so she has a five-year-old and now the baby she just had a baby and it's 10 months old and I can see me within her as she is that mother when she first had her first child and now her second again. And I can see that that a little bit of panic, a little bit of, okay, I got to hold the baby. I got to hold the baby. I got, you know, and I even told her, baby, you need to start taking care of yourself. You know, do that journaling, do that art or whatever it is she likes to do. And she's like, no, I can't. I've got the baby. So I can almost see my younger self within her again. You know, and, and I've been trying to, I sent her little things and, um, you know, just encourage her, hey, why don't you come over? Let's do this together and leave the babies with dad so you can have some you time. And that's been working really good. That really has been. That really, because you almost lose your identity. You're, you're, for the long time, I was Matthew's mom. I was Jessica's exactly. mom. I was Alex's mom, Calvin's mom. So I wanted to be, I wanted to find out who I was because I didn't know. Honestly, I was more than a Girl Scout leader or whatever else I was volunteering for. I was more than that. And I knew it. I just needed to find out and capture what that was, what my needs are, who I was, and what did I enjoy? I didn't enjoy watching SpongeBob all the time, even though I did with the kids. <laughs> you know, I didn't enjoy watching, um, you know, some of these car things with my my ex-husband or even my current husband world war ii stuff i needed to find out who i was and that's why i'm hula hooping now <laughs> i love me some hula hooping and i garden and i like crystals and you know wind chimes so I, i'm liking and learning who i am and mm. what i like and giving myself that gift of time to do that hula hooping to do podcasting because I enjoy doing that as well so I'm just giving myself that time and mm. it's been beautiful it really is mm. it is it definitely is. It is wow so when we break this silence around abuse there is a moment when there is a shift a consciousness and that shift allows you to say you know what enough is enough with or without kids with or without a life, with or without like thousands of interlinked responsibilities with him, her, or whatever the abuser is. Right. We have to stop it here and move on. What was that shift for you? What was that click? What happened? I was with my abuser from the age 17 until I was 39. Um, I knew that there was something lacking in our relationship. I had tried, I had red flags. I didn't listen to my intuition, even though it was screaming at me times. I tried to leave, 
several times. There were some threats of violence if I did leave. So I stayed, even though I really wanted to leave. But I was so used to that type of behavior. And this isn't usual. Um, sometimes victims do find themselves in a marriage or relationship with a person and they never had a background before so they're kind of blindsided but for me i grew up in that type of household so that behavior uh the uh, minimizing everything that um my feelings and so on i was so used to that the name calling the physical stuff i was used to that and i but i knew in my heart i saw other people other kids with their moms and dads other kids with their boyfriends other other women with their husbands a little bit later on in years it's like i want that they, you know they look like they're having this amazing time and you know even some of my then friends I said, you know you guys look like the perfect family which i knew they had issues here and there but i want that i want my husband to hold my hand i want him to you know to go on dates with him or i don't want i want someone to lift me up i want to be able to uh, lift each other up and i knew that was out there and i kept asking and i'm i'm i leaned on god a lot I have yes. uh, a lot of faith. So I leaned on God's like, God, I don't think that's what you made our relationship for what you made us to to have in our life is to have this turmoil and strife and hurt. I can't imagine that my God would want me to feel less. And I know in my heart that I'm beautiful. And even though my ex was telling me otherwise. And so I started to make this shift like, no, I want this. And so I would stand up a little more for myself. And then finally, I think everybody hits, no matter who you are, you hit this point of what I call rock bottom, where mm -hmm. whether it's maybe an abusive situation, whether it's a financial situation, or drinking, alcohol, uh, drugs, and so on and so on, where you just, I can't do this anymore. I can't live with this person anymore. I, or I can't do this to my body anymore. You hit this, this point, this low point where enough's enough. And I did hit that. I did hit that. Mine, it, mine is a strange story. Um, there was some infidelity. Um, I had a sister wife and when my sis, my, he actually physically brought the woman into the home. It's like, okay, I'm done. That was in 2007 and um, I, that that switch, you know, there was a, a couple other episodes too, but I left him twice in 2007 and came back 2009. I finally left him for good. So I had been free from him from uh, 2012 and on. So I remarried and all, but there is a switch. I'd like to call it a brain switch that does come on with people when they realize I'm not going to be able to live like this anymore. Maybe I'm not going to live if I continue to stay or do what I'm doing right now, but I have to, I have to start, I have to start over. I have to do something else. And I didn't want my children to see this model, continue to see this model as a relationship for them, that this is how it's supposed to be with um, with a relationship, that there's supposed to be this strife, there's supposed to be name calling and physical stuff, um, that this is normal. That's not normal. And I didn't want them to see that. I didn't. And I wanted them to know that there is love out there. There is normal. And I wanted to find that. So I started a journey. I left. And that's what I've been pursuing ever since. And I'd like to think that I finally have my happily ever after. So, you know, we still have struggles, it's, it's, but it's nothing. It's a very surreal life that I'm living right now. It really is. Beautiful.
I look forward to waking up every day. I look forward to coming home. I look forward to coming home every day. Right. Uh, me and my husband right now, I'm happy when he's home. Well, there are some moments, you know, where he's a little cranky or I'm a little cranky. We need our space sometimes, but you know, but we have okay. a communication. Exactly. We have that communication where I say, oh, you know, I'm going to go out and hoop. You go to the barn, or, you know, your man cave, you go do what you got to do. And that's fine with him. And I love mm -hmm. that. I didn't have that before. I, I love this. I do. Because there is trust between each other. Yes. There is this trust that, yes, you can go through ups and downs. There is trust that each one of you are enough by yes. yourself and are enough for one another. There is this trust that allows to have some space, some breathing space to just be, because right. when you are constantly on one another, with one another, and there is no room to breathe, there is a time when you just like explode. No, because you need to push back and you say, right. okay, I, I mean, I cannot. I mean, you love all that you want, I cannot. I need to self-care in right. some way or another. Right, right. And it's very surreal when you get to that point when you have, and, and I really felt like I was being smothered by my ex. He had to know everything I did, everywhere I went, everyone I talked to. So finally making that break in 2009, I almost didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I, not very, almost. You totally did not do. No. It's, it's exactly. Not I did it. I did it's like yeah what do you want i don't know what do you want no, exactly. no no no. what do you want i don't know that's a good question let me think uh <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes it was crazy and <gasps> even when i met uh, my husband back then um i didn't know what a relationship a healthy relationship looked like so i was very cautious i was very scared i really was being uh, truthful i was very uh, leery i didn't know if he was just going to be the same way um and so i proceeded very cautiously but also at the same time sometimes when we get out of relationships like this it's uh, not that's not healthy we sometimes cling onto that other person as a uh, what do you call them? a life jacket or a life laugh raft the, the circle thing yes <laughs> you know I mean? how is it called? okay i know what you see this orange yes. air balloon with a hole inside so that you can <laughs> you become creative you know? <laughs> but you know you cling to people and sometimes those people might be toxic in my situation thank goodness he wasn't and we learned together how to navigate. He learned how to navigate a relationship with someone that was from um, a toxic relationship because he hadn't dealt with that before. Someone that had T PTSD in Stockholm. So we learned together and, um, and it was rocky. <laughs> it wasn't always fun. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of crying, not really any yelling because he and I hardly ever argue. Um, but it was definitely a learning experience for both of us. It really was. Yes, mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. Yes, it had some challenges. There is. It, it did. And you know, I have the same kind of self experience with my beloved third and dream husband, Sasha. My happily ever after, yes. the same way that you would introduce yours. Because even if there is absolute love, care, respect, everything, I mean, all the things that you would hope for all the things that you crave when you don't have them, even if there is all of that, then you have to learn how to give 
the space in region, how to love in region, because you are so used to being forced into a role that you don't even know how to love. That was my biggest learning learning curve to learn how can I love him the way he feels loved. And that was even a, a harder question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that was even hard more so, I think, intimately when we mm-hmm. got to be intimate because I was um, the relationship I was in, I was sexually abused and uh, raped. So I was worried about that going into that new relationship and uh, that trust issue. My ex was into um, bondage, mm-hmm. sadomasochism. So I was worried going forward. I actually also associated love with being hurt sometimes Mm -hmm. in the bedroom and Mm -hmm. I had to realize no first of all I didn't like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) Lord I didn't like that and that it wasn't there was a better connection a more healthier connection with just two people coming together communicating their needs and their wants and their desires Mm -hmm. in a safe way and um, if anybody out there is has a situation where they don't feel safe that's not very healthy. And I Mm -hmm. always feel safe with, with my partner, with Mr. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Terry, Mm -hmm. I feel safe with him. I've never felt unsafe or unable. I never felt vulnerable except the very first time I felt very vulnerable, but afterwards I was at ease. There was no, nothing that I was hesitant about. I could be me and uh, free and open, get my freak on if I needed to, you know, just, and, and that was okay. That would be all right. And, uh, you know, we could talk about it. And that was nice. It is still mm-hmm. nice. It's very nice. It is yes. Nice. yes. It's, it's beautiful. Yes. Wow. So, yes, when we give ourselves permission to be who we really are, to discover what yes. we like and do not like, to put words on our deepest thoughts and feelings and emotions, and allow ourselves to cry when we need to cry and to laugh when we can laugh. Right. That is a that is the biggest gift of life. It is. And it is reachable for all of us as long as we give ourselves permission to move on and create this environment that we choose to go back to every single day. With trust. Yes. Yes. And I'm glad you said that, Be you know, about giving yourself that time to heal and so on and giving yourself, it does help in the healing process. If you're going through some sort of a grief or if you're going through a breakup, it is really good to go ahead and do that screaming and doing that crying and doing that yelling, whatever it looks like for you. It might be hitting a pillow. It might be um, thinking of your abuser's voice in a high pitch, almost like a cartoon voice. So anytime that person's <laughs> mind, you know, is in your mind, you hear him as Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or whatever, instead of that really was a game changer for me. And I even had a hard time when I would actually have to physically speak to him because I'd be picturing this cartoon in my head. It's like, chatting with them but that helped me grow and finding those tools again something to help you through the pain through that healing process is so important and giving yourself allowing yourself that freedom I'm all about five minutes self-care you have you know people have five minutes to scroll and sometimes I'm bad I'll go on for Instagram or Pinterest for like an hour or two so if you have that time to scroll you have that time 
you know, five minutes, at least five minutes a day to give yourself something, go out and ground yourself, hug a tree, go out and take pictures of nature, get out, get outside, breathe, or do whatever makes your heart sing. But just give yourself that time. Right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you for bringing this refresher oh, to you. all of us, to the audience, to just remind us that Yes, we can do it. Yes, it's actually easy. It is. It is actually easy. It is. Or even on your way to work or while you're getting ready in the morning, I put post-its on my bathroom window, my bathroom mirror, excuse me, and they have affirmations on there and I change them out or Bible verses and I see them. I can repeat those. I can play something while I'm taking a shower. I can listen to a positive podcast. I can listen to affirmations. You know, it's even more powerful if you record them in your own voice and play them back. Mm -hmm. So if you play those, so there is time out there on the drive to work, on the drive home, on your lunch hour there is time there is you just got to make that time give yourself and allow it we are all on the same wavelengths thank you for sharing your wisdom with us oh, thank you totally thank appreciate you. that i look forward to having you again for sure yes, yes, please <laughs> and uh and participating on your podcast i mean yes please hope when there was none that's totally the kind of things i can talk about as well yes Holy, gorgeous. All right, Melinda, thank you for now. And we'll speak again very, very soon. Bye-bye for now.